0: Chapter 1 of Book 14 of Les Miserables, Volume 4, by Victor Hugo. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Jersey City, Frankie. Les Miserables, Volume 4, by Victor Hugo. Translated by Isabella Florence Hapgood. Book 14, The Grandeurs of Despair. Chapter 1, The Flag, Act First. As yet nothing had come. Ten o'clock had sounded from St. Mary. Enjolras and Combeferre had gone and seated themselves, carbines in hand, near the outlet of the grand barricade. They had no longer addressed each other. They listened, seeking to catch even the faintest and most distant sound of marching. Suddenly, in the midst of the dismal calm, a clear, gay, young voice, which seemed to come from the Rue saint Denis, rose and began to sing distinctly to the old popular air of By the Light of the Moon this bit of poetry terminated by a cry like the crow of a cock monaise est le maire mon ami beguade priet moi tes grands pour lire dire une mot en capote bleu le poule au shako vici la Benlieule, co cocorico they pressed each other's hands that is grevolche said Enjolras. he is warning us said Combeferre. a hasty rush troubled the deserted street They beheld a being more agile than a clown climb over the omnibus, and Gavroche bounded into the barricade, all breathless, saying, My gun, here they are! An electric quiver shot through the whole barricade, and the sound of hands seeking their guns became audible. Would you like my carbine? said Engeler to the lad. I want a big gun, replied Gavroche, and he seized Javert's gun. Two sentinels had fallen back and had come in almost at the same moment as Gavroche, they were the sentinels from the end of the street and the videt of the rue de la petite trondière the videt of the lane des prechures had remained at his post which indicated that nothing was approaching from the direction of the bridges and halls the rue de la chenvrerie of which a few paving stones alone were dimly visible in the reflection of the light projected on a flag offered to the insurgents the aspect of a vast black door vaguely opened into a smoke each man had taken up his position for the conflict. Forty-three insurgents, among whom were Enjolair, Combeferre, Courfeyrac, Bassuet, Jolie, Berol, and Gavroche, were kneeling inside the large barricade, with their heads on a level with the crest of the barrier, the barrels of their guns and carbines aimed on the stones as though at loopholes, attentive, mute, ready to fire. Six, commanded by Fuley, had installed themselves with their guns leveled at their shoulders at the windows of the two stories of Corinth. Several minutes passed thus, then a sound of footsteps, measured, heavy, and numerous, became distinctly audible in the direction of Saint-Louis. This sound, faint at first, then precise, then heavy, and sonorous, approached slowly, without halt, without intermission, with a tranquil and terrible continuity. Nothing was to be heard but this, It was that combined silence and sound of the statue of the commander but this stony step had something indescribably enormous and multiple about it which awakened the idea of a throng and at the same time the idea of a specter one thought one heard the terrible state legion marching onward this tread drew near it drew still nearer and stopped it seemed as though the breathing of many men could be heard at the end of the street nothing was to be seen however but at the bottom of that dense obscurity there could be distinguished a multitude of metallic threads as fine as needles and almost imperceptible which moved about like those indescribable phosphoric networks which one sees beneath one's closed eyelids in the first mists of slumber at the moment when one is dropping off to sleep these were bayonets and gun barrels confusedly illuminated by the distant reflection of the torch a pause ensued as though both sides were waiting all at once from the depths of the darkness a voice which was all the more sinister since no one was visible and which appeared to be the gloom itself speaking shouted who goes there at the same time the click of guns as they were lowered into position was heard Enjolras replied in a haughty and vibrating tone the french revolution fire shouted the voice a flash empurpled all the facades in the street as though the door of a furnace had been flung open and hastily closed again a fearful detonation burst forth on the barricade the red flag fell the discharge had been so violent and so dense that it cut the staff that is to say the very tip of the omnibus pole bullets which had rebounded from the cornices of the houses penetrated the barricade and wounded several men the impression produced by this first discharge was freezing the attack had been rough and of a nature to inspire reflection in the boldest it was evident that they had to deal with an entire regiment at the very least. Comrades, shouted Courfeyrac, let us not waste our powder. Let us wait until they are in the street before replying. And above all, said Enjolras, let us raise the flag again. He picked up the flag, which had fallen precisely at his feet. Outside, the clatter of the ramrods and the guns could be heard. The troops were reloading their arms. Enjolras went on. "'Who is there here with a bold heart? "'Who will plant the flag on the barricade again?' "'Not a man responded. "'To mount on the barricade at the very moment "'when, without any doubt, it was again the object of their aim, "'was simply death. "'The bravest hesitated to pronounce his own condemnation, "'and Jorloss himself felt a thrill. "'He repeated, "'Does no one volunteer?' "'Chapter 2. The Flag, Act Second. "'Since they had arrived at Corinth "'and had begun the construction of the barricade, no attention had been paid to Father Mabouf. Monsieur Mabouf had not quitted the mob, however. He had entered the ground floor of the wine-shop, and had seated himself behind the counter. There he had, so to speak, retreated into himself. He no longer seemed to look or to think. Coiffey Rock and the others had accosted him two or three times, warning him of his peril, beseeching him to withdraw, but he did not hear them. When they were not speaking to him, his mouth moved as though he were replying to someone, and as soon as he was addressed his lips became motionless, and his eyes no longer had the appearance of being alive. Several hours before the barricade was attacked he had assumed an attitude which he did not afterwards abandon, with both fists planted on his knees, and his head thrust forward as though he were gazing over a precipice. Nothing had been able to move him from this attitude. It did not seem as though his mind were in the barricade. When each had gone to take up his position for the combat, There remained in the tap-room where Javert was bound to the post only a single insurgent with a naked sword watching over Javert, and himself, Mabouf. At the moment of the attack, at the detonation, the physical shock had reached him and had, as it were, awakened him. He started up abruptly, crossed the room, and at the instant when Enjolras repeated his appeal, "'Does no one volunteer?' The old man was seen to make his appearance on the threshold of the wine-shop." his presence produced a sort of commotion in the different groups a shout went up it is the voter it is the member of the convention it is the representative of the people it is probable that he did not hear them he strode straight up to Enjolras, the insurgents withdrawing before him with a religious fear he tore the flag from Enjolras, who recoiled in amazement and then since no one dared to stop or to assist him this old man of eighty "'with shaking head but firm foot began slowly to ascend the staircase of paving-stones arranged in the barricade. "'This was so melancholy and so grand that all around him cried, "'Off with your hats!' "'At every step that he mounted it was a frightful spectacle. "'His white locks, his decrepit face, his lofty, bald and wrinkled brow, his amazed and open mouth, "'his aged arm upholding the red banner, rose through the gloom and were enlarged in the bloody light of the torch.' and the bystanders thought that they beheld the spectre of ninety-three emerging from the earth with a flag of terror in his hand. When he reached the last step, when this trembling and terrible phantom, erect on that pile of rubbish, in the presence of twelve hundred invisible guns, drew himself up in the face of death, as though he were more powerful than it, the whole barricade assumed amid the darkness a supernatural and colossal form. There ensued one of those silences which occur only in the presence of prodigies. In the midst of this silence the old man waved the red flag and shouted, Long live the revolution! Long live the republic! Fraternity! Equality! And death! Those in the barricade heard a low and rapid whisper, like the murmur of a priest who is dispatching a prayer in haste. It was probably the commissary of police who was making the legal summons at the other end of the street. Then the same piercing voice which had shouted, Who goes there? shouted, Retire! Monsieur Mabouf, pale, haggard, his eyes lighted up with the mournful flame of aberration, raised the flag above his head and repeated, Long live the Republic! Fire! said the voice. A second discharge, similar to the first, rained down upon the barricade. The old man fell on his knees, then rose again, dropped the flag, and fell backward on the pavement. Like a log at full length with outstretched arms. Rivulets of blood flowed beneath him. His aged head, pale and sad, seemed to be gazing at the sky. One of those emotions which are superior to man, which make him forget even to defend himself, seized upon the insurgents, and they approached the body with a respectful awe. What men these regicides were! said enjolras. Courfeyrac bent down to enjolras's ear. This is for yourself alone. I do not wish to dampen the enthusiasm, but this man was anything rather than a regicide. I knew him. His name was Father Mabouf. I do not know what was the matter with him today. But he was a brave blockhead. Just look at his head. The head of a blockhead and the heart of a brutus, replied Andrew Then he raised his voice. Citizens, this is the example which the old give to the young. We hesitate. He came. We were drawing back. He advanced. This is what those who are trembling with age teach to those who tremble with fear. This aged man is august in the eyes of his country. He has had a long life and a magnificent death. Now let us place the body under cover that each one of us may defend this old man, dead as he would his father living, and may his presence in our midst render the barricade impregnable. A murmur of gloomy and energetic assent followed these words. Enderler bent down, raised the old man's head, and fierce as he was, he kissed him on the brow. Then, throwing wide his arms and handling this dead man with tender precaution, as though he feared to hurt it, he removed his coat, showed the bloody holes in it all, and said, This is our flag now. End of Book Fourteen, Chapters One and Two